Welcome to the RV Navigator podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we are here on episode 14 of the RV Navigator. And once again, we want to thank you all for listening so loyally. We have now had uh, thousands of downloads, and that's very heartening for us to hear. And this month, uh, I had no real complaining emails about the fact that uh, folks could not download and listen to our podcast. So... That's a milestone because your audience them, is getting high tech. Uh, they're they're understanding how to do this podcasting business, which is uh, good to hear. And I'm planning on, on having a an episode here about podcasting because I think many of you listen to this on your computer. But our intention, of course, is is that we are your uh, companions on the road, and that you plug us into your your stereo system on the rig, and you're listening as you travel. But it really doesn't matter. Whatever works for you. We're of course, just glad you're course. listening to us. And yes, we we're are. happy to hear that you are interested in our experiences, and we love sharing them. Yes, we do indeed, and we try to uh, deliver as many experiences as we possibly can as we travel down the road. Today, though, we are at home and kind of a blustery day at the beginning of May, and we are um, planning on, a, on another trip uh, that we're going to leave on in, shortly, and that will be uh, once again in the United States uh, to South Carolina, and we will report on that in full as we go down the road. But uh, I had an, an interesting email uh, as a reaction to one of our previous uh, podcasts, and the person said that they would never RV in Mexico as a result of listening to our podcasts. That and made me very sad. I didn't want people to be no. discouraged after listening to yeah, us. Yeah, I think, and I think one of the problems is, is that what we do is, is that we kind of talk about the problems that we've had or the interesting situations which people maybe take as the norm when in fact our experiences in Mexico were very positive and we were, we've been very excited about the traveling experiences in Mexico, albeit that there are some problems which we did enumerate, but it still is a great place to RV and has a lot to recommend it. And in my mind, you can have a much more pleasant experience there if you know what it's about and are well prepared before you and go. And have good expectations. I think some of our fellow travelers who were not as well prepared didn't have as good a time as a result. So that's our philosophy of travel. So we're just trying to give you the heads up and you certainly decide for yourself. But please consider traveling in, in Mexico because uh, it, it has a lot of, of pluses that you should consider. And, and the roads yeah, they're a little rough, but you find rough roads in the United States. And certainly at no time we want to emphasize did we feel unsafe or danger or that we were threatened in any way. Uh, that just didn't happen. Not at all. And I think that uh, people think, I don't know, we've had numerous people warn us about banditos, <laughs> a term which I don't think has any relevance in, in modern Mexico, any more than Al Capone runs Chicago, our fair city, and people have been afraid to come to Chicago because of the rumors of Al Capone from the 30s, and I think probably Mexico is, is similar. And at this point in our lives, we've probably spent a total of four months camping in Mexico and have not been robbed and have had wonderful experiences with kind people 
interesting scenery, good food. Uh, that's why we went back. So don't be discouraged. And I think we mentioned that we can buy just about anything that you need in Mexico. As a matter of fact, we found the repair facilities, although not specifically RV-oriented, to be terrific. And people are able to fix just about anything. Real can-do spirit. But we found, you know, there are Walmarts, there are Costcos, there are big grocery stores that sell all the same stuff that you find back at home, and they are everywhere. And certainly things like propane, diesel, and gasoline are in abundant supply and, frankly, somewhat cheaper than they are in the United States. As a matter of fact, a lot cheaper. I think we maybe mentioned to you that prices of fuel are fixed by the government, and we spent $1.97, and this is uh, in March of uh, 2007, but $1.97 a gallon for diesel. And uh, right here now, it's uh, closer to $3 a gallon. So that's a big change. And that uh, I expect is about the same as it it will continue to be in Mexico. So definitely think about going to Mexico. So with that said, a couple of interesting tech topics. Uh, Today's topic, uh, we're going to talk about um, membership campgrounds. And this is something that we've had quite a few discussions with folks about. And we're going to have a brief interview segment uh, with uh, a new RVer, actually an old camper but new to RVing, who just bought a a new uh, pop-up type of RV. Um, in the Motor, Co- the Motor Coach magazine this month had uh, featured Class Bs. That's uh, an area which has not uh, gotten a lot of popularity, but it certainly is one that a certain segment of people would enjoy camping in. And that's the modified van. Uh, you have Class As, which are the motor coaches, the bus type of vehicles, the Class Cs with the cab over, and the Class Bs, which get the least popularity, and those are the the van uh, conversions. So um, they had a, had a very interesting buying experience, and they're going to tell you a little bit about their coach. But before we get into those topics, um, a couple of things that I had an opportunity to buy, and of course, because this is technology-oriented, something that I've looked for for a long time is a propane gauge so that when you so that you know how much propane you got left in your tank. This is really a this problem is, when you're camping exactly. in cold weather and you only have two tanks and you're running through them at lightning speed <laughs> as your furnace is grinding away. You need to know when you're out of gas. And, of course, I hate, I hesitate to mention that this was especially a problem in Mexico. But <laughs> we seem to always be looking for propane, although it was commonly available. These Class A's that have their tank mounted to the frame have a gauge on them that measures the contents, of the, the quantity of propane left. But those of us with bottles, uh, our travel trailer people or fifth wheelers, have these bottles, and you never can figure out how much propane is in them. So you know when you're half full because it switches over. But if you happen to miss that, you're in kind of a bad way because you don't know how much you got left. And this uh, caught us up short when we were in the Copper Canyon because we didn't have two full bottles when we left. I found this new gauge, which I will put the link in the show notes on rvnavigator.com. But uh, this is the Digital Deluxe Gas Meter, and it's from a company, well... I'm holding the package here, but I don't know what the company is. Anyway, um, oh, Lemke.com, L-A-M-E-K-I-N-G.com, Lemking.com. And this company actually makes this device, and you're going to say, oh, it's going to be really expensive. But actually, I bought it at Costco. 
oh, what a surprise that was, in the barbecue grill section. Which is another area where you don't want to run out of propane in the middle of your cooking. Yeah, well, that's what exactly what it's for. So that it... Um, it just screws on it, so it's instantly um, installing. It just is kind of an inline sort of thing. You screw one end onto your tank, and you screw the other the the hose onto the other end, and voila, you now have not only a measuring device, but you also have uh, emergency flow controller, which will shut off if the tank is uh, compromised. So if you have a leak in the system, it will automatically shut itself off. So this is great. So I bought two of these for less than $30, and the two of them together, will one will fit on each of my tanks, and then I will know how much is propane is in each tank. Now, I haven't actually used it yet, but this is pretty exciting after all these years. And if I went at such a reasonable... (laughs) They have these stickers that you put on the side which measure the temperature, but... (laughs) And I've seen you feel it and shake it. And And ours is hard to shake. So, and this apparently works on 20-pounders or 30-pounders or whatever size tank you have, so that's really good news, too. The other thing that I have uh, that I wanted to talk about is uh, my IR infrared thermometer from Radio Shack. This is a a very nice device because one of the things that I want to do always is keep track of how hot my hub temperatures are. (laughs) I don't know if you've thought about this, but one of the ways that you tell if the lubrication is coming out of your hubs, either on a travel trailer or a fifth wheel, or frankly any other vehicle, is that you check the temperatures. And of course, I used to go around kind of with my hand and touch them, but this device is allows you to read the temperature of something that's so you just aim it at something there. and it takes its temperature yep. through infrared. And you just have to be within a few feet of it. You press the button and it tells you what the temperature is. So that's very cool. So I've used that on all my, when I go around, uh, when we're getting fuel, I go around and, and check the temperature of the hubs to make sure that nothing is overheating, to make sure that we are not about to lose a, uh, a bearing. And as I say, this is uh, also quite inexpensive also. Definitely something for you to consider. Oh, boy, I'm giving you some great tips today. <laughs> Anyway, I learned these things, and I learned them from you, so send me an email if you've got some cool tips, cool gizmos that you'd like to share with the rest of the world, and we'll put them on here, too. So these are just things that I found. Anyway, so back to our topic today, our main topic today, is going to be about membership campgrounds. And this is an area that I really was very dimly aware of until we uh, started picking the brains of our experienced fellow caravanners in Mexico. There's there's nothing that campers like to do more than share good ideas and good experiences. And for some of our colleagues, these membership campgrounds were definitely a great way. Almost almost religious experience. Yeah, they were messianic about it. Campers love to save money, and campgrounds, while they are an economical way to uh, stay at night are going up in price and some of them depending on how desirable the location is can get downright expensive so people are always looking for a good deal and the kinds of deals that i was aware of um, over the years were really not a big deal and not a big savings for example if you like to stay at koas which are always very nice campgrounds with good plumbing facilities and lots of activities for the kiddies which we don't need to take advantage of as a geezer couple they sell a membership um, where you get a discount on KOA campgrounds when you when you stay there. The kind of discount that we've been taking advantage of, which is about that same uh, level of expense and savings, has been through Good Sam. 
Ken, what do you spend for Good Sam membership? Well, a Good year? Sam, I think it's about sixty or seventy dollars a year, and of course you get magazines and insurance deals and all sorts of other things. But also, you get this ten percent discount at a lot, a wide variety of different campgrounds. As long as you can read in the Woodall's camping book, which I use, that it's a Good Sam campground, they always give you the discount. It's only ten percent, and those are pretty much of a no-brainer. Then we have also been considering uh, Passport America, which gives you fifty percent off at over nine hundred camp grounds in the United States. The membership costs vary. If you join for one year, it's $44. If you join for more years, it's cheaper per year. They, I'd look at their catalog and I'd always feel slightly restricted because inevitably I would want to stay at a state park right. or at a location where there was no Passport America We like to stay America where we want campground. to stay. So we've talked about Passport America, but we've never really done anything. Uh, membership campground friends told us that Passport America can also be frustrating because they often will give you, for example, when do you want to go to Florida? In the winter when it's cold at home. And when are the Passport America discounts good? In, in the, the summer, summer when nobody wants to be in Florida. Sometimes they said you'd have to stay at the campground for five nights and then the sixth night would be free. That's how they would do it. And you may not want to stay at that campground for five nights. Passport America could be a, a savings, but it would definitely tie your hands. Now, where my eyes really Got started to spin yes. is when these well, friends talked about membership campgrounds that were vastly more expensive. And much better deals and much more well-organized in terms of the type of camping that they offer. Probably the name that we heard the most was Western Horizon. In only 24 locations in 13 states in Mexico, according to the Yeah, website. right. There's not that many actual Western Horizon campgrounds, but they're apparently very nice. And it's a membership where you buy in and have a, a yearly fee. And the memberships had a lot of tricky details, too, because you could just buy a membership from the company, whoever that is, for thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, right? Uh, 9000 was the high we, we heard. Or you could find a widow whose husband had died who was no longer going camping and buy her membership from her for whatever she was deciding to sell it to you for. So it's a lifetime commitment. It's kind of like buying a piece of property. Or I would guess it's more like actual or not a time timeshare. Share, kind of like timeshare, but not timeshare. And so it has to have some careful consideration because you are obligated to either sell your membership or to continue paying on it. You buy into it for a one-time fee. A large fee. And then your annual fee and is... And then your annual fee was in the $500 range. When you actually went to the campground, you paid $6 a Well, night? between 6 and nothing. Uh-huh. So the campground, the camping was dramatically less expensive, and they have a reservation system so that you can actually make reservations and apparently some very nice parks that several of our fellow RVers on our caravan stayed in and were very enthused. very enthusiastic about it. And they sounded more like resorts mm -hmm. um, with a lot of facilities and activities and things going on. So we just made a reservation in Myrtle Beach, and it was for... Over $40 a night. Not on the beach. If there was a Western Horizons <coughs> campground at Myrtle, we could stay there for free. Or $6. And that is a dramatic change in your fee structure for your overnight camping. And if I remember and correctly, you could only make a reservation for these campgrounds about 300 days out, and you could only stay in them for two weeks at a time. Yeah, but there was there were ways to get around those things. And in other words, you could roam from park to park and stay two weeks at each one. Kind anyway, of flip, there, there are various and rules and regulations which you absolutely want to consider. Staying for $6 a night uh, doesn't take long to make up $500 a year. 
And yeah. because the Western Horizons themselves are quite limited with only 24 locations, they have numerous f- uh, affiliates. It was yes. like an alphabet soup of names and abbreviations, Adventure Outdoor Parks, Adventure Camping Network, um, all are affiliated with them, which greatly increases the number of resorts and RV parks that are in your network. So that when you get a Western Horizons membership or when you buy into them, you want to be sure that you get one of these affiliated or multiples of these affiliated memberships to go with it so that you have a broader range of campgrounds to choose from. And their prices were also very reasonable. And I would say at this point in my life, um, listening to these people talk about uh, Western Horizons and other membership campgrounds definitely seems like a good idea for someone who full-times because they are paying for a campground every day, and that adds up. And they are always traveling around the country looking for new places to go. They can buy the membership from a widow who has exhausted it and is selling it cheap. It's definitely a good deal. Well, but you say, well, where am I going to find one of these discounted memberships? Guess what? There's a number of websites available, and I'll put a couple of those links on the uh, on our show notes also, which broker these sales. So... You know, just like you'd have used RVs for sale, you have used campground memberships for sale. And everyone emphasized, go to the Western Horizons sales pitch. Don't buy, but take that information that you get from them and use their three days and four nights camping for free. <laughs> their come on visit to one We're of the parks. start whispering to our <laughs> listeners so that nobody else hears. And, and then, but then, then you go and buy the same thing from... Uh, somebody who's getting rid of it for much less. You had to choose one of their parks as your, your home, home park, park, and you could always go there for free. Right. But we we spoke to people who had never been to their home park. They just picked it at random, and that's and that's one of the things that you can do apparently. <clears throat> so it was it's still slightly mystifying to me. I would yes. say yes. And but we would like some more information, and and feel free to send us an email at navigator at rvnavigator.com and let us know your experiences with. Uh, membership campgrounds or these kind of semi-timeshare ones. Or maybe you own a campground someplace, a campsite someplace that uh, that has a coast-to-coast membership with it or has uh, one of these other packages with it, and you've had some experiences with that also. Because at this point in my life, not being a full-timer, I'm still not convinced that giving up my freedom to stay wherever I want to stay is worth the thousands of dollars that I might need to spend to buy into this this network. This is an interesting idea. The the more months we spend away, the more financially attractive this becomes. And you're not quite as fixated on good locations when you're full-timing or or traveling as much as we are. Certainly, I would say for a family this probably who camps on the weekends in the summer, this is probably not a, such a good deal. You couldn't get enough use out of unless it. Unless the home park is close by and is uh, something that you really enjoy. Because, a place you'd like to be. Right. And as we mentioned, most of these are in the West, so us being from Chicago, we wouldn't tend to use it as much as we might otherwise. Well, we like to travel all over. Yes. And, and I would find that but somewhat there were limiting. two campgrounds in Illinois and a couple in Michigan. and Three a in Wisconsin. Of, uh, three in Wisconsin. So the membership affiliation is less in these areas, and probably because of the weather is bad and they, you don't do camping for six months out of the year. But as you go south and west in particular, the campgrounds become more and more common and many more choices. But always they're not the prime locations that you would want to go to. But when you go sit like we do for a month, 
you know, that's kind of appealing to have a nice inexpensive campground to go to. And really get to know an area well. Let's take the flip side there. We were able to stay in our campground in Texas, which is especially economical, but we were able to stay there for about $15 a night, and we could stay virtually as long as we wanted to. As a matter of fact, the longer we stayed, the cheaper it got. You got a sense of camaraderie when you stay in a place for more than a month, whereas these membership campgrounds, you have to leave. After two weeks. <laughs> After two weeks or whatever. But the... I have to wonder if you don't start running into yeah. familiar faces who are flipping around between these two campgrounds well, the way you are. Yeah, yeah we were, as, as Mar- Martha said, we were kind of taken aback by the enthusiasm yes well and the very strong feelings that this engendered that this topic i mean people were either enthusiastic or i suppose novices like us and didn't know anything about it and then there were other people who were just like oh no i never do that because it just didn't fit into their lifestyle so we, we thought pres- we should make you aware we that they are this out to you there with uh, because we really didn't know much about uh, it yeah and if you are in a position where you might be able to save a lot of money on camping and with camping fees going up and fuel costs going up people i would suspect are sitting in campgrounds for a longer period of time, you know, this is a way to save yourself some bucks. Or, on the other hand, it could waste your money if you don't know what you're doing for a fair amount of time. That could be a significant loss. What's our conclusion? More research needed. I'm going to take the free come on to a campground and learn more about it. So we'll keep you posted as to how this uh, comes out as we travel down the road. But for the time being, I think we will um, turn it over to the interview. And we will say so long for now, and uh, please continue listening because the interview is coming right up here. Um, and I did this interview by myself, so you will no longer hear the navigator. The no co-pilot. navigation needed for the interview. The co-pilot. So I'm here with some friends by the name of Hugh and Renee, and they have been longtime campers. Uh, how long have you been camping? I don't know, probably since I was 12, and I'm 58, so... What uh, has caused this sudden transition? This is your first RV, and maybe you could tell us a little bit uh, what it is first. Well, this is a sportsmobile um, conversion van. It's a Class uh, B, I guess, and it uh, starts out as a regular van, and they cut a hole in the top and put a uh, pop top on it and uh, fill up the insides with uh, things like uh, couches and refrigerators and sinks and all that sort of stuff. This is uh, the smallest of the RVs that you find on the road today, and uh, you've been a tent camper for a long time, my understanding. So what what caused you to buy a motorized home well we've been thinking about it for a while because we're you know getting a little bit up there to be tent camping and thought it might be nice to have some place to come in to cook so you wouldn't have to cook outside in the rain and someplace dry to sleep which this will be dry unless it unless the water gets up to be two and a half feet deep in which case we got more troubles than just getting wet okay so you must have looked at a number of uh, class B campers actually not we uh, (laughs) we saw um, we were tent camping in Pennsylvania was it two summers ago and we'd uh, actually looked at a couple other ones we uh, saw one similar to this up in the uh, at a uh, outfitter store in the boundary waters canoe area and he had a was um a little pickup chassis with a van built into it not an, not an add-on but built onto it we liked that and looked at that and we went to their he gave us a little card with the web address and we went to them but they didn't make those small models anymore they were only making bigger ones and uh, then when we were out in Pennsylvania, we saw a guy who had basically a Ford van with the camper insides. Uh-huh. And so we talked to him, and he gave us a little card with the manufacturer's uh, name and stuff on it. So we went to their website and really liked what they what they had to offer. So we went down and over winter break, I guess, and looked at him and went down over spring break and... and uh, 
pace, signed on the dotted line. So what about this is the most appealing to you? Because I'm sure you've seen other ones. And we might want to mention this is kind of like the Vanagon concept that there used to be, that the Volkswagens that popped up and you slept in it. Obviously, this is a substantially bigger vehicle, and it must have appealed to you for some other reasons. Right. And one of the things that actually this company, Sportsmobile, is the company that did the conversions for Volkswagen and made the Vanagons, or at least so their PR material says. And they said that's how they got started in the business. And so, um, you know, that certainly made them seem somewhat semi-reputable. And the other thing we like is the pop top, because you can go down the highway in what's basically a normal size, uh, you know, van. And uh, then when you get to where you're going, you pop up the top and you've got, a, you know, living quarters. So what is contained inside here? Well, there's a, uh, two, starting from the front, there's two uh, captain's chairs. And then behind that is the side door to the van. Um, and there's a sink and a stove and a refrigerator going backwards and then some storage closets. And on the other side, you've got the driver's side uh, uh, chair. And behind that is a, is a, is a fold-out, is a, what looks like a couch, but it slides down sideways to... Uh, fold into a bed and underneath that are the batteries and converters and inverters and water tank and all that. And behind that is another closet and behind that is a little built-in uh, toilet. So really it has all the things that uh, any house would have but just a little bit smaller versions. Yeah, considerably smaller versions. <laughs> and <laughs> where do you plan to go with it? I haven't decided yet. Uh-huh. So, and, and it's built on a, on a what? It's a Ford, uh, regular Ford uh, EB150 uh, chassis. Extended, extended EB is extended oh. body, and it's got a little bit longer wheelbase and a little bit longer um, stern sticking out behind the back wheels. So I think it's about 18 or 20 inches longer than a regular size uh, Ford van. And your experience with the gas mileage and things? Well, we you know, we only checked the mileage once, and that was on the first trip, and we got about near as we can tell about 14. You pay a little bit for the extra weight and things, but right. but and you have. And that was, you have air conditioning, right. black, gray water. Right. There are two gray water tanks. There's a black water tank. Fresh water. The fresh water tank holds 20 gallons. It's got a water heater that can run on electric or, uh, or gas, and it's got um, two, actually three holding tanks. One for black water, and then one on the side for gray water from the sink, and one from uh, gray water for the shower on the other side. And Renee, what things did you have added to the tra- to the RV? The toilet was a big thing for me, so we didn't have to get up in the middle the night and go who knows where. It's a marine to- toilet. It's permanently mounted. How are the cooking facilities? Well, my back hurt the first night because I had to lean over to get to everything. <laughs> but And I, I insisted on having a window by the sink because uh-huh. in the kitchen. So they, they it, your experience with the company was that they will customize it in, in, in full? In full, except that there are a few things that make decisions for you. If you get a propane heater, then you have to have a certain kind of cabinet. If you get an air conditioner, you have to have a certain kind of cabinet. And if your black water tank is on one side, then that means that other things have to go on the other side. So there's a small limit. But you were fully involved in the in the total process. Oh yeah, we uh, they have a catalog. Sportsmobile has a catalog with I don't know what 30 different standard designs, and then they've got a little uh, booklet of templates that you cut out and a and a really? and a, and a um, map of the you know the floor plan of the car, and you can put the little templates wherever you want, and they'll build it build it any way you want. Let's take a look at the at the top. Another reason I understand you bought it was because of what's up there. Yeah, well, we have uh, canoe racks on top, so the when our first trip we were getting where we got 14 miles a gallon, that was with a canoe on top, too. Yeah, so Anyway, so the, like I say, the top is a fiberglass uh, shell, and it's mounted on um, struts, the gas struts like hold up your car trunk. Oh, really? And so um, 
when you push it up, you just have to sort of get it going, and then the gas struts take over and push it the rest of the way. And it's uh, strong enough to hold uh, whatever you want to put up there. Well, I don't know whatever you want to well, put up there, but the canoe is fine. Tape your kids up there. Or yeah, something. have the kids right outside. <laughs> but it has it has the capability to to take something on the roof, which of course yes. a a fiberglass roofed one would not be. And able. this actually has um, when we were down. Uh, ordering ours, I guess. A guy was having his built, and he had two satellite dishes on top. And it was, uh, and they said that, they thought that was a little heavy. It made the top a little bit hard to lift, but I don't know, he was in some computer real estate type uh -huh. deal, so he, wherever he was, he needed to have, you know, internet hookups over the satellites or something. So, so, anyway. so your experience with this company has been pretty favorable? Uh, mostly, yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, they were accommodating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah very could you kind of give us a price guesstimate here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was more than we thought. It ended up being someplace in the 50s. That, in, but that includes the the, the vehicle too. and yeah. the and the conversion the factors. Car was, the car was 29. You know, uh -huh. and, and he actually wrote out two checks. We wrote out a check to the Ford dealer for the uh -huh. van. Uh -huh. And then the Sportsmobile goes and picks up the van at the Ford dealer. And you could bring your own van if you wanted, yeah. if you had some place where you could get one cheaper. And uh, and then they did the conversion. So are there any options you didn't get? The smaller refrigerator instead of the larger one. Oh, and the awning. The awning we decided not to get. We went back and forth about several of the options and did want them and then didn't want them and then added them back on, like the running boards, for example, the ladder in the back. They had... Um, they have a, a what they I don't know what the heck they call it, an extended closet or a fifth wheel closet which goes on a trailer hitch which is a big uh, <laughs> which is a big like uh, yeah, yeah, four yeah. foot by two yeah, foot yeah. by two foot you box that uh, you get a trailer hitch yeah, installed yeah, and then the stick yeah. from the trailer hitch and makes the thing even Ooh. more rear end heavy than it already is. <laughs> it has lots and lots of fluorescent lights which are way more oh, than you need. And and any and they're outside lights and coming from wilderness tent camping that's a lot of light. This is a big up upgrade from your tent camping days. Yeah. So the tent is being put into storage? Uh, well, I was sitting down on the shelf in the basement. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next month. This is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot, wishing you happy travels. And saying that we're hoping that we're camped at a campground very near you so that you can come and see us. Thanks. Thanks.